Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi. My name's Simon Kane. I am a comedian, writer, and podcaster from London, England. Um... So, for the last year, maybe just a little bit under, I've been doing a private podcast, which only about half a dozen people have known about, where I record myself about three or four times a week, discussing things in the news, discussing things that I want to talk about. Um, Generally, just sort of a bit of banter is probably the best way of describing it, because that's what it is. Um, It's just been me playing around with the idea of... um, diarising what I do for a job because I was originally writing a book called The First Thousand Gigs and it was about building up a fan base through gigging and I sort of I was enjoying writing it but I thought you know what there's got to be another way of getting this out there and so I was trying to do it through podcasting and I really love that idea but currently we are in virus central coronavirus central and that has really impacted my life, and that has really impacted my ability to gig, in that every show for the next three months, going into four months now, and I've actually just had, it was funny, I, um, I've i just got home from Australia, New Zealand, sorry, New Zealand, and I uh, applied for a comedy festival that takes place in June, while I was in between flights on the way home, and between applying, getting on a 12-hour flight, and then getting home, I had an email from them saying, we're very sorry, but we've cancelled the festival. <laughs> like, that's that's the level that we're at at the moment. It's, you know, that was that festival was four or five months away. And, uh, yeah. And the post, by the way, the post they put out that said, please apply, was like five hours old when I applied for it. So, clearly, you know, that's the turnaround time we're getting with things. Um so I wanted to, so I've, I basically pivoted this podcast and it's now going to be a daily, possibly daily, podcast about my quarantine and about life and about things that appeal to me. Uh, I'm trying going to try and keep it as positive as possible and funny as possible. So here we go. Um, I suppose I suppose the first thing I, I, I want to tell you about is how I got home because I have friends of mine who are properly stuck in New Zealand and Australia, uh, see that I did it the other way around this time because you know I didn't want it. I, I I did a gig two nights before everything got weird and Canadians came and I accidentally went. Oh, I'm looking at coming to America and they went. We are not from America, <laughs> and I was like, I am sorry. 
Um, so in respect to my New Zealand brethrens, uh, let's go with New Zealand and Australia this time around. And I'll keep flipping it for funsies. So, I, yeah, I have friends who are stuck in New Zealand and Australia and they can't get home. I have one friend who has had their flight cancelled um, because they can't physically do that leg because of borders being closed. I have another friend... Uh, it's, it's just not even, this one's not even my friend. Um, my partner's cousin is stuck in, I think it's Mexico, and they were offered a one-way flight home to England for £8,000. Now, I understand businesses wanting to make money in general, and I am not anti-businesses making money. I am anti-businesses exploiting people in the middle of an epidemic, and I think that is absolutely fucking insane that that is the most ridiculous thing and and it's uh i i you know i've asked her what the airline is she's checking now because when i know i will not be flying on that airline again for a while uh, it just takes the piss um i yeah i, I think it's great it's like weather spoons the the weather spoon boss wants to stay open what the fuck are you doing? Why are you... He's like, oh, I don't think it's not going to spread coronavirus. Frankly, and here's the thing. There's a lot of people who are saying things like, oh, well, if you're stupid enough to go out, I hope you get it. And frankly, I think... Hang on, the door. The door. Sorry about that. Uh, I thought I closed the door. Um, I mean, I sh it should be closed. I am quarantined to my bedroom. Um, so that's fun. Um, no, so... Yeah, uh, and I, I understand the mentality of people going, oh, well, if you think that, you know, going out in this environment's a good idea, I hope you get it. But I think you're a cunt if you say that, because you shouldn't be wishing horrible illnesses on other people, regardless of how stupid they are. That feels very, um, oh, I can't think of the word, but, like, you're, you're punishing someone for being stupid, and I think we should be past that, you know? There's no reason why someone who doesn't have the same intelligence, or someone who is more ignorant than you, because you've probably just read three more articles than them, and kind of understand it a marginal better, and frankly, you probably don't understand it that much better, you can't, we, we all can't, I mean, the scientists don't understand the virus, how can you, so, you know, give them a fucking break, and nicely tell them to stay in, and if they still want to go out, you know, I mean, I get it, because they shouldn't be going out, and I don't think they should be going out, and I think they're being irresponsible and out of order, but don't wish the virus on them. I mean, you haven't got that power anyway, it's not going to fucking happen because you did that. It's going to happen because we're probably all going to get it at some point anyway. Um, so that's that. Uh, I, I mean, it's so stupid to me to go out. You know, nobody, you don't want to be the first person to get any illness or virus or operation or any experimental, anything that's not you know, fully tested and peer-reviewed and they know what to do, you know? So why would you put yourself at that risk to be one of the first people to get it? Because you're going to be part of that test subject group that will probably die as a result of the thing that, you know... So I know I sound a bit conspiracy nutty, but genuinely, like, if you think about the first person that probably had, like, a broken leg operation, right, they... <laughs> that operation was experimental at that point and they were trying their best to sort it. And I'm sure things went wrong, and I'm sure they tried their best, and I'm sure that you know there was there was all good intentions. But I, you don't want to, you don't want to be that first person. That's not, 
that's not going to be a fun uh you, I, you just don't want to be first so stay at home even for a selfish point of view stay at home don't get it other people will get it hopefully well not hopefully but hopefully you won't be the first person to get it and they'll resolve it and then you can um then when you get it they'll they'll know what to do with you and your stupid fucking ass that thinks they want who's who's that desperate to go to a Weatherspoons? I don't want to. I mean, I'm not trying to sound, um, you know, classist. It's, it's, I can't think of any words this morning, which is great to start a podcast with. Um, you know, I, I I I don't know what the word would be, but for me, I just think Weatherspoons is the bottom end of where you take anyone or where you go yourself. If you know, you just have a fiver and you want to have a shitty burger. There's been microwave. I got a mate who's a comedian. He works in the kitchen of a Weatherspoons, and he's constantly telling me that he's, his job title's chef, but it might as well be, can use a microwave. Like, you must know this isn't top-notch food. You must know that this isn't the best thing you can put in your body and do with yourself. So what the fuck, you know? <sighs> anyway, rant out of the way. Um, let's, let me tell you how I got home, because I think it's quite an interesting story, and uh, it's, it's, episode one so it makes sense to to start there so i was in <clears throat> i was in uh i was in australia and new zealand for a see flipped it around again loving it um i'm i was there for tour <clears throat> now it's been a dream come true to tour that because i've always wanted to do uh, not always but like since i started comedy i i put it down as something that i'd always wanted to do and uh i've been applying for three years to get spaces to go and every year not really been accepted and then this year I don't know what happened I don't know why it happened but everything aligned and I got five festival I actually got seven festival offers but I could only take five for financial and time reasons um and uh and I and I got round three of them right and there and there were talks of the virus because I, I went out on the 31st of Jan and I did Perth and then Adelaide and then Auckland all within about the space of five weeks. And then I was on my way down to Wellington when it started to get serious and real and fear-mongery on the news. And because New Zealand hadn't had any cases by this point, no one there was taking it seriously. Everyone was going out. Everything was still open. There was no, you know, it just didn't feel like New Zealand was part of it. It felt like you were hearing the news from another country. And... And so no one, I mean, we knew we'd have to take it seriously when we came back, but it didn't feel like anyone was taking it particularly seriously when they were out there. And I increasingly felt, I mean, to be honest, when we first went out there, bushfires were more of a concern than coronavirus. I was more, I felt worse about promoting a show when there was a fire, you know, sort of 20, 30 kilometers down the road that was killing animals than you know, a, a virus that was in the air that could kill me, which is crazy, but that's just how that went. And then we got to the first day of Wellington Festival, everything was fine, I got pretty good numbers, and people were cancelling. And then we did day two, and me and Stephanie Lang, who was on before me in the same venue, it was just me and her that just that week in that festival, we noticed other people were cancelling. And we were both getting increasingly scared because people from home were saying, come home, you need to come home, you need to come home now. Um, and we were looking it up and it was saying borders was going to close, but they weren't sure and they weren't sure when it was going to happen. And Boris, Boris, he, as much as Boris is a joke in our country, he is very much treated 
worse abroad and he's very much seen as an incompetent I mean I think he's pretty incompetent but he's very much seen as an incompetent leader in other countries or at least the two that I was traveling and so you know everyone's mentality out in New Zealand especially was stay here like we are taking it seriously we are supporting people I read on the news this morning before I started this pod that you know New Zealand are putting more money into full-time and freelancers and and their public health service than any uh that more than i think it's australia and uk combined it's like more than any country on the planet so in, in many respects i probably should have stayed um but uh i mean money doesn't solve everything i'm aware of that but it also must help in this situation so and then i got to day three of the festival and i got a text from the my host i was being put up very kindly in a billet system by a very lovely american couple who basically said to me that they've been sent home because someone in one of their buildings has that one someone in their building their wife has been exposed to someone who might have the disease which um is the longest like it's so far detached that like I didn't really register it and I sort of texted my partner and said to her that you know this has happened I'm sure it's nothing because it because to me again it felt so far detached and she was like no no I'm putting you up in a hotel you're leaving that house right now I'm putting you up in a hotel and uh, that was when my mum texted me and said come home like really you know I'm high risk blah 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 and uh, so I so I moved to the hotel and I and then in between moving my stuff to the hotel I got an email from the fringe saying hello due to our government's policy changing so basically up until this point any events that had more than 500 people were being cancelled they reduced that to 100 so any events that have less than 100 people could happen thankfully my venue only had 60 so I could have carried on um, but they said because they've reduced that you can either cancel your event or you have to ring us and tell us why you want to carry on uh, basically saying cancel your fucking run and I did and uh, so, I'm, so I'm in the hotel I've got a flight booked um, I've missed out a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. Basically, I booked a flight three days earlier for the Sunday, and this is Wednesday now. And and so, but I've cancelled this, so I've got so I've got nothing to do Friday. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Saturday, which were the two shows left. And I, and I wanted to go home early. And I tried to call the airline, and the airline obviously was overloaded with conversations and calls, and so you couldn't really do much. Um, then I thought to myself, well, hang on. There has to be staff at the airport, because logically they can't, un- they can't not have a staffed airport, because they've got to put people through. No matter how many machines they put up, they still need humans there. So I took a risk, and I had a ticket for Sunday, but Friday morning, I got up, I got in the car, I packed all my stuff, I went downstairs to the hotel lobby and I said, hi, I'm going to go and see if I can get a flight home, can you please keep my room in case I need it? And they said, absolutely fine. I then drove to the <clears throat> to the car drop-off place and said, hi, I'm going to go and see if I can get a flight, can you please keep my car in case I need it? And they said, fine. So I left my hotel key at the hotel with, and I took their number so I could ring them and say, I've got a flight, please keep the room. I then dropped off my car and my key and signed a bit of paper that said, I, you know, it's all sorted, um, and then went off to find a flight. And I got in a queue, and I was in the queue for an hour and a half. Um, and I got to the front, and Air New Zealand were very kind and basically said, we can offer you a flight to Auckland from Wellington, but we can't guarantee that when you get there, Emirates will put you on the flight home. Um, so basically, Emirates and New Zealand work. New Zealand Air work together uh, to to get people home and to do sort of internal because you have to really take a international flight home from Auckland. You can't really take one home from any other airport um, in any, in any other part of New Zealand. So I was like, okay, put me on the flight. The minimum I can do is get to Auckland tonight, and if not, I'll just sleep in the I'll sleep in the airport. I'll stay there until they send me home. Turns out because of flight restrictions and because of border controls, there is one flight home a day to Dubai, which is the stopover point that people who are going to Europe can go to before they go home. Because you can't go through uh, Australia anymore because of the border restrictions, and you can't go through Hong Kong, and you can't, and obviously you can't go through Brisbane, which is another city in Australia. So essentially, there was one flight that I could get on that would get me to Dubai, and then there are two flights a day back to England from Dubai. So. I get there, and there's no there's no staff, there's nobody there, and I'm getting really frustrated because I'm like, I've arrived, there is a flight in seven hours, there must be someone here. Turns out they don't have a desk there, they said we're only, we're, they're only there from when they open the flight time, and um, the only bit they had, which was like a private lounge thing for business class members, was closed, and it had a sign up saying, we're very sorry, but due to health risks, we can't be open. So I went to go and get food, and I come back an hour later, and remember, I haven't left the airport at this point. And there is a queue, a massive queue, 
and there is no sign that says that that is an Emirates flight. And I asked the security guard, and he said, well, they always used these five desks, so it's definitely there. And I was speaking to people briefly, and they were all like, well, we were told that this is the only desk they use, so, it, you know, it must be here. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm just going to have to get in this queue. So we're in this queue, and I'm silently listening to an audiobook for hours. Just just sat there. I'm feeding off the, the Wi-Fi of the hotel, uh, not hotel, of the airport as best I can. And the and then all of a sudden the desks change at the front and instead of it saying you know closed desk it just says emirates and i'm like yes we're in the right spot it's great and then they start putting out signs that say this one's business class this one's first class this is online check-in this one's economy and i think to myself well i can go in any of these because i don't have a ticket i just need to get to the front so i stayed in the row and i got to the front and again that must have taken hour and a half maybe just slightly longer um, the flight, by the way, at this point is four, maybe three, four hours away. And I, I get to the front and I say to the, the woman says, can I see a ticket? And I said, you can, but it isn't for today. And she goes, what do you mean? And I explained to her everything I've just explained to you. And she goes, I can't change your ticket. And I went, well, who can? And she goes, well, we can only do it on the phone. This is when I lied because I was like, well, I've come this far. I'm just going to lie because I want to get on this plane. I said, I called your, your, your telephone line I waited on hold and everyone said they can't do it they have to do it at the desk and she said well if we can only do it at desk you need to go over there and talk to a manager and I said but will I lose my place in this line and she said yes but it won't make a difference because you cannot do anything in this line so I go over and I'm in a queue to talk to the manager and the manager is overworked and clearly getting stressed out because people like me are coming over to do that I'm I'm stood about a foot away from the woman in front of me um, who is kind of explaining why she needs to go home. The woman manager is um, trying to sort something out for her, and I see the woman in front of me cry. And I felt really bad for her, and I, I didn't have a tissue, I didn't have anything to give her, so I didn't know what to do or to how to help. Um, and then and then I see the, the manager behind the desk take a lot of sympathy on her because she was crying. And she said, just wait here, I'll, I'll try and sort something out. And she goes away and she goes on the phone and comes back and says, come with me, we've, we've got your seat on the flight. And I think to myself, okay, right, so there are seats on the flight, this should be fine. So I get to the front and I explain everything that I've just explained to you on top of the lie that I told the woman at the desk because I thought I can't back out of this line now because if she asks her, I'm fucked. So... The woman says, I'm really sorry, but the flight is 100% full. We, we've just looked on the system. It is completely full. And I said, can I not just stand here until five minutes before the flight? And if you have anyone who doesn't turn up, any seat, I don't care. I will get on that plane. I don't care where you put me. I'll stand if you want me to for the entire flight. I really don't care. And then she tells me, you can't stand on a flight for any amount of time because it's illegal. And I went, well, I know that. I'm, being, I'm just pointing out to you. So I was like, I'm not thick. I'm just desperate. There's a difference. Um, ladies... And I, <laughs> that's me in my 20s. Anyway, so I, uh, I'm standing there and she's on the phone and it doesn't look good. And I think to myself, cry. It worked for the woman in front of you. <laughs> 
just cry. It doesn't matter, right? Doesn't it's fine. And I texted my partner and, and I said to her, Tell me something sad and she went, Why? And I said, The woman in front of me cried, she got on the plane, I'm trying the same thing. And she replied something like, Yeah, I think it works differently for women and I went, Sexist shouldn't, I'm gonna cry. So I thought about not being able to see her for ages, I thought about getting locked down, I thought about just any anything sad that I could think of and I started crying and she went, Just just please give, give me a minute and wait here, it's fine. She goes away. And she's gone for most of an hour. And I, and I talked to the woman behind me, who is an NHS nurse, who, frankly, should have been on the flight more than me. She, the, the woman behind me, she was on her holiday with her, with her parents, visiting her brother in New Zealand. She arrived three days earlier, and it had taken her a day to get there. And she got a phone call from her boss in England saying, please, can you come back? We need as much staff as we can get. And she was on her way back. Think about that, NHS. Think about those people, right? Do not fucking get the virus, you cunting, stupid Weatherspoon wankers. You you are putting those people's lives at risk, and they are really fucking important people who are really going over and above. That woman spent 24 hours on a plane to get out there for three days to get 24 hours back to then save your fucking ass. But anyway, she it's different for her. She, she needed to go back with her parents and didn't want to fly on her own, and so, you know, one person getting on a plane is different to three. Clearly, you know, there's less likelihood you'll get on. So the woman comes back and says, can you come here, please? And I said, fine. And then and then I'm standing at the desk, the check-in desk, near the woman that I was at before for 25, 30 minutes. I'm looking at my clock, and I'm like, fucking hell, there is literally an hour before this plane is meant to leave. I am not going anywhere tonight. I have nowhere to stay. I don't know anyone really in Auckland. I haven't sorted out somewhere to stay. It's 9 p.m. or something in the evening. I've got to go and get a really expensive hotel for seven hours, and then I'm going to have to check out in the morning. Like, this is mental. And, and the woman says, right, we put you in the express lane. You are going to have to run. And I said sorry, and, she, and literally, I, I was trying not to smile, because I did not want her thinking, fuck, you know, this smug bastard lied to me, and cried, and whatever, she went, you, you got, we've got you a seat, this person isn't here, you need to run for the plane, and I said, fine, she checks me in, I run, I get to the lane, and people were just like, um, where, where, where are you, like, I'm in a queue at the moment of loads of people, and they're like, um, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going to Dubai, and they went, come through here, and so they put me through the express lane, I don't even remember showing anyone my passport until I got on the plane, to be honest with you, it was absolutely mental, aside from at the check-in desk, it was mental, I ran all the way through duty free, ran all the way, it was, it was literally cutting it fine, and all of a sudden I get to the gate, and there's a, there's a queue waiting to go in, and I'm like, oh, I didn't have to fucking run, this is bloody mental, and, and I get on the plane, and and I, I have never been more grateful and happy to sit on a plane for seventeen hours in my life. Um, it was it was mental. What was what was even more mental was because I was one of the last people on the plane, and I like being the last person on the plane because then I can see if there's empty seats and rows and things. I saw an empty an empty row at the front where there's extra leg room, and I just sat in it, and. I was there, I, I, I got that whole row, well, in the end someone else moved to the front, but I got two seats of extra leg room for 17 hours, and I and I got up and I actually went and had a look for my original seat just to see, and oh god, there was a huge fat fuck who was, so I was on the window seat, and this guy in the middle who was just massive and was clearly squeezing this man to his, uh, what, le- left or something, who was on the aisle, 
I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in that fucking seat, because that person's just spilling out into every other chair, and he needs that space more than I do, that's fucking mental though, but Jesus Christ, I couldn't have been any more fucking lucky if I tried, and then, and then I got to Dubai, and, and um, I got on the last flight, flight home, and there was kids screaming around me, and my favourite part of that was, um, my parents did this when I was a kid, my parents used to say, you know, oh, that man over there's going to be annoyed and he's going to have a go at you, or, oh, that man's a plainclothes police officer, he's going to um, arrest you if you don't behave yourself or whatever. You know, classic parenting technique, lying to your kid to get them to do what you want them to do. And um, and at one point, the, the man just went, oh, the man's going to hit you if you don't behave yourself. And, and in my head, I literally went, is that permission? Because your kid's been screaming for four and a half hours on this plane so far, and frankly, he, someone needs to fucking train this kid to not fucking do it. Like, what are you doing? Fucking tell your kid to stop, like, sneezing, coughing, screaming in this area around other human beings. I know it's hard to have a parent on a plane, and I know I sound really insensitive, but fuck that person and fuck their child, okay? They need to fucking train their kid, or at least tell their kid to stop fucking coughing at... He was spraying the kid's hand with this, with this like, this anti-vac, which is perfectly reasonable, but the kid just kept wiping it down his jeans, and then fucking... Um, like, just, just touching stuff all over the place, and it smelled so strong and disgusting and clinical and, like, alcohol, and, you know, it was just fucking horrible, and I had to sit, like, next to it, it was awful, I'm like, dude, this child, I understand that they're in a weird situation, but we all are, fucking shut them up, shut them the fuck up, um, so anyway, so I didn't really get much sleep on that plane, and now I'm, now I'm in England, and I'm in quarantine, um, and that's, that's where I'm going to end this podcast for today. Um, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm, I'm going to... Basically, I'm writing a list today of people I need to thank from the run and from the, the festivals and everything, and, and the staff from different places. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send everyone thank you emails and, and just, just pass on some sort of gratitude. I feel like you should do that as well. It's Mother's Day. Um, I, I went out before I started quarantining myself and got my mum some chocolates and some flowers and a card. Um do something nice for your mum if you can because I don't know if you're able to go out but uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to end this one I will probably see you tomorrow let me know how quarantine's treating you I mean, I'll put my email in the show notes but yeah Bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.